Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Greg Peterson here, and welcome to the 338th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. The Urban Farm Podcast is sponsored by HealthIQ.com. As I get older, I am finding that leaving a legacy is becoming more important. And a big part of that is making sure my loved ones are financially sound when I depart. One way to do that is through life insurance. Health IQ is a life insurance agency that helps runners, cyclists, yogis, vegetarians, urban farmers, and other health-conscious people get lower rates on their life insurance. Visit healthiq.com forward slash urban farm to support our show and see if you qualify. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is working to reduce food waste in the supply chain. We're talking with Tim Intfin about repurposing perishable ingredients. Tim is the president and co-founder of Infield Market. Their mission? To reduce food waste and offer opportunity. Infield Market is a unique business-to-business e-commerce platform that saves companies money and prevents waste. Their market is animal nutrition, food and beverage, nutraceuticals, pharmaceuticals, and the cosmetic industries. Their secure and free-to-use system features a robust real-time inventory and competitive pricing model. Since 2004, he has worked in raw material distribution with principal manufacturers throughout the world. Tim is excited to bring Infield Market as an opportunity-based, game-changing solution to business throughout the globe. Welcome to the show today, Tim. Are you ready to rock food waste? Yes, sir. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Yeah. Sure, Greg. I've been selling ingredients, everything from vitamins to food, bulk food ingredients into the nutraceutical food, pet food arena for 14 years or so. And I've noticed a trend that's very competitive. It's very crowded, but it's also extremely exciting industry to be in. And I envisioned a platform to sell ingredients differently. One of the things that the, the industry, I don't want to say it lacks entirely, but hasn't really come up to speed with e-commerce in the way that other industries may have. But I mm-hmm. think it has to do with the nature of the business models that are in this industry. So I developed Infield Market for companies to come on and sell their raw materials. But before I took that leap, 
I'm just selling raw materials, I realize that there's a huge gap. I'm talking to buyers of raw materials, their problems uh, don't just end at pricing or, or uh, getting material on time. They actually, due to market pressures, one way or another, they're sitting on a lot of extra material that they never get to use. So mm-hmm. in that sense, they're, depending on the company, their bottom line is, is hurting. Right. There's just a gap in that, and there's no visibility to really reallocate those raw materials. So unfortunately, there's a huge waste factor. Right. So when you talk raw materials, what are we talking about here? Uh, depending on the market, but anything that's really perishable. We could talk about vitamins that derive from plants to amino acids to uh, bulk almonds, uh, roasted almonds. There's 25,000 pounds of roasted almonds on there right now. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Just looking for a home. You know, business plans change. You change on a daily basis. And maybe it's because of bloggers that mentioned something and started a movement. Gluten-free is a good example. You end up changing direction with your own company. And, and when you do that, sometimes products are left up in a big warehouse. So it sounds to me like this is a big problem. It certainly is. I think one of the stats I read was $38 billion in global food waste annually. I imagine that's on multiple different levels. Right. It's a lot of dollars and a lot of food. Now, you're not talking the food waste after my kitchen. You're talking the food waste before the store, correct? Yeah, I'm talking about the food waste from every brand you see on the shelf out there, mm-hmm. every bottle of vitamin, every food bar that you pick up. Those are all made in a factory somewhere near you, mm-hmm. and they buy bulk ingredients. They buy millions and billions of dollars worth of bulk ingredients. Sometimes they have to buy more than they want to buy due to the supply chain. Mm-hmm. And then as a salesperson, you know, you're, as, as a business, your job is to move forward, is to continue the efficiency of, of the plant and not really focus on what's sitting in the warehouse. Now, that's not entirely true. Companies don't set out to waste food. It's just it's a byproduct of business. So if we could set up a business, a sharing business culture, we could build out a new dynamic between companies companies mm-hmm. and display all these products visibly on a platform and build a trust within that network, then I think we'll be able to start chipping away at this issue. You mentioned almonds. I mean, could there be tomatoes on there? There could be tomatoes. I don't get a lot of fresh fruits and, or, or, or vegetables in that sense, at mm-hmm. least not yet, but, but yeah, absolutely. Because I know one of the challenges that we have is there's a an entry point for Mexican produce coming in through Nogales, Arizona. And oftentimes what happens is, is that the trucks stall on the Mexico side because there's not a market for the product. You know, it's fresh produce. There's a couple of organizations here in town that have done some work to repurpose it, but it's still a big problem. Absolutely. I'll admit, I think I'm, I am probably more set up to help folks with dry goods. Mm-hmm. There are some organizations that are more set up some of these fresh products. Right. We, we are looking at stamping out this model to accommodate these type of products. We don't limit what companies are posting, but, you know, as we build our network, we're also networking with other companies, with other like-minded organizations that are right. that are out there preventing food waste. Or I think one of the big companies is, uses what they call ugly fruit, you know, the stuff that gets oh, rejected yes. from grocery stores. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's not ugly. It just doesn't look great. <laughs> right, exactly. So let me drill this down a little further because I'm always really curious about food waste. I, I work in the food waste arena on the after the kitchen part of this process. But what you're dealing with, let me see if I got this right, is surpluses. So, oops, my company just bought an extra 20,000 pounds of almonds and we don't need 
need them rather than a company having a leftover waste product from a manufacturing process that they have to get rid of. Is that the case? Correct. Yeah. There are outlets for those types of products, byproducts, I guess. Right. But yeah, we're talking about perfectly good, packaged, well-maintained, and with the quality side. Yeah, it's fully traceable, yeah. quite being traceability. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, say, say more about that, because that, that's a fairly new term in our arena, and that's supply chain traceable. What's that mean? Well, anybody can bring in a, a bag of dry goods and mm-hmm. repackage this and put another label on it. I'm not saying that that happens anymore, but they've had to put a number of regulations and your facility needs to be certified to ensure that you are actually doing what you say you're doing. So mm-hmm. you bring in these ingredients, you're testing them, you have traceability on who you bought those from or that particular raw material. Yeah. It's just to ensure that you know where everything came from. Right. Got it. So it's a manufacturing path to where the, the original product was produced or grown or like that. Exactly. Oh, wow. Cool. Cool. So let's jump into your project. Is it an app? It's not an app yet. It's only, I mean, it's mobile friendly, but it's, it's a website. Oh, all right. Perfect. And how does it work? So as someone who's looking to offload some extra ingredients, uh-huh. you create an account. This is only business to business. I should emphasize. Right. You create an account, and then if you would like to sell product, you fill out a vendor application, some basic information. We do some checking on our side to learn more about your company. Mm-hmm. We'll call you. You'll get an email that asks for you to fill out a self-audit questionnaire, talks about your facility and your safety programs, and asks for your liability insurance. And once we've gone through this vetting process, it gets a little deeper, but then we say, okay, you're good to go. You're good to go. As a seller, you then go online, upload a product C of A, which is a certificate of analysis that mm-hmm. shows what makes sure that it talks about when this was manufactured, when the expiration date is, all the micros and heavy metals, and all those important details. And you upload your own price and publish it. There's a map function. And we thought this was really important to give that sense of tangibility. Where Where is this product located? Is it right. in Alaska or is it in California? So. Mm-hmm makes it easier for a buyer to make decisions. Right. So it's kind of like an eBay for business to business with surplus food items. Yeah, we do. We don't we don't bid. We do. I mean, I will on your behalf for an interested party's behalf go to the seller, uh-huh. help them negotiate a price. But eBay, Amazon, I guess the mapping function, I always think of an Airbnb for some reason. Oh, right. Exactly. So I want to get an idea because this is such a niche market which is cool. Congratulations. I want to get an idea of who who's using this. So privacy is a, uh, is a big thing. Companies don't necessarily want to say, hey, I bought, I overbought this so that all their competitors can see. So there is a level of anonymity mm-hmm. on behalf of the, the sellers. There is a point where, yes, an interesting party and a qualified lead that, you know, we can connect buyers and sellers so they know where this material came from. Mm-hmm. Having said that, it's everything from a brand if you prefer to just look at food. So a lot of what I'm trying to do is, is find these ingredients and allocate them into other markets or right. within your own market. So mm-hmm. it's either a manufacturer and it's, or it's a brand that owns the material, the raw material. And then the buyers are, as I mentioned, either someone in your same market. So it could be another food bar manufacturer. It could mm-hmm. be a pet food manufacturer, animal feed. So so livestock. Oh, right. And then 
one of the areas in that range is feed ranges from aquaculture to, to chicken feed. There are applications, though I, you might be more familiar than I am, with some of these reallocating some of these nutrients into soil systems. So we get live cultures that fit on here. We get, we get amino acids and, and minerals. So one of the areas that I've been reaching out to is some some of these you know, organic and natural fertilizing and soil systems. I was going to say that sounds like a good place to go with it is the fertilizer companies. Yeah, I think so. And I won't get too deep because I, I'm not knowledgeable enough in that particular area, but I do know that there are some ingredients that are used. So what have you found about time, energy, nutrient resources that are going to waste such as natural vitamin E? I've sold a lot of vitamin E in my day, and that's a, an easy example to make. But from two standpoints, one, there's a shortage in certain vitamins right now and certain markets are feeling that pressure. And for something like that to go to waste, it's more than just a product going in the dump. So if you look at a natural vitamin E, it comes from crops of soy and corn. Mm-hmm. So think about like one kilo of vitamin E. That's what we saw it almost kilos. Uh-huh. Or a 20 kilo box. I think, I can't remember the numbers, but it's either a hectare or an acre that uh, crop that basically after they process all the oil and, and do what they do with the rest of the material, leaves you with enough alpha tocopherol, which is what I mean, mm-hmm. to make a kilo out of it. Wow. All of the sun, the water, the time, I mean, the sun is a bit more manageable, but water, yeah. fertilizer, time and energy, and some of these items leach into the soil and they impact the water system. If you're going to put that much effort into it, it's going to have such an impact on that piece of land. For that to go to waste, it's a shame. Yeah. At the same time, you know, different industries put different standards on the shelf life of these materials. So in one market, for example, just a, a supplement manufacturer, that shelf life suggested to run out in maybe two years. And there's other markets who may be able to use that or right. reprocess well, like vitamin E, that goes rancid, does it not? Depends on the conditions. It can, but anything can really go rancid. Uh, yeah. Cool. So how can our listeners help? I know this is a business-to-business conversation we're having, but you know, when I saw the press release for what you were doing, it's like, wow, we need to tell your story. So how can our listeners help? Well, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. That's just Infield Market on Facebook and mm-hmm. Infield Market 18 on Instagram and share with your, your friends in the industry of food, feed, agriculture, horticulture. I think that the more people we have aware of this, the more pressures it puts on companies to participate in, in reallocating these resources and yeah. to trust a system like the market. Perfect. So I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you might have learned from it. Yeah. When I started Infield Market, I think it's very easy to go down a path of, you know, I really do believe in this cause. I really do believe in that it, it will and can be wildly successful. I think I got so buried into how this operation works and, you know, that it's a win-win. It takes a little bit more explaining to some of my customers and to build that trust. Yeah. I don't know that it was a detrimental mistake, but I certainly assumed that people get it right out of the gate. Part of that's my communication. How how did I overcome that? I believe that businesses constantly evolve and we'll just continue to chip away at it, make sure that we're explaining all the important topics and and really building, you know, the sustainability story around us and and building trust in in the website. Yeah, in the process. that's what I found even in what I do here locally in Phoenix. I'm a, an educator and it's it's really getting the education done so people can completely understand the whole process. Don't you think? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, it's like that in every aspect of life, right? Yeah. It takes time and patience and taking a deep breath. Right. Yeah. So what do you consider your biggest success? Well, I don't want to sound too generic, but I think just taking the step to launch this company and go out on my own. 
So yeah. there's a sense of pride that goes along with that. Mm-hmm. I'm in, I'm in it now. So yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing that people don't always get. I'm an entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur. I've had, I don't know, 35 businesses in my, in the past 45 years. And it takes a lot of energy to go from, oh my gosh, that's a great idea to actually have it in reality, have it producing. So I commend you for doing that. And because I know what it takes, it takes a tremendous amount of energy. So congratulations on that. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And we're excited to make this happen. Woo-hoo. So what drives you? What drives me crazy or what drives me? <laughs> yeah, there you I go. Say, I think at the end of the day, I like business. I like what I've done for a long time. I mm-hmm. think what drives me is to be able to combine that with doing something that is meaningful Yeah. other than, you know, just selling another palette to each his own. I feel like at the end of the, at the end of my life, I'm, I want to have built a business that that's doing, that goes both ways. Gives yeah. Back. Made a difference. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why I do what I do, man. You know, if I can plant seeds for a healthier future for your kids, I don't have any kids, but my brother's kids and, you know, the those people coming after us, then I've done the, the work I was supposed to do. Yep, I agree with that. So if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? Okay, this has nothing to do with what we just talked about. Perfect. They're just making this into a movie, but I read it a couple of years ago. It's Ready Player One, and it's total sci-fi nerdy book. It actually is quite telling into potentially what the future could be like. Uh-huh. So it's essentially being made into a even Spielberg movie now, but essentially wow. the you know, economy collapses and everybody lives in this virtual world and it has to be the, the new world is uh, built around the 80s and it's a fun read. It's a total escape and I would recommend that. That's like probably the least intellectual book that anybody's recommended on the <laughs> show. And that's, that's, that's okay. I love sci-fi. What was the name of the book again? It's called Ready Player One. Ready Player One. All right, perfect. So if you had one final piece of advice for our listeners, what would it be? There's never a good time to do what you want to do, what you think your big idea is. So yeah, that's not a good excuse. You got to go for it. Yeah, amen to that. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Tim. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So how can our listeners find you, get a hold of you, find out more if they want to? Well, you can reach us at info at infieldmarket.com. Okay. Or reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram, Infield Market at Infield Market 18. Perfect. You can find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash infield market. We are your urban farming resource. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, podcasts, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. The Urban Farm Podcast is sponsored by healthiq.com. A decade and a half ago, I took on a very interesting personal goal to run the Arizona Rock and Roll Half Marathon from the first running in 2004 until I was the only one that had run them all. They call us legacy runners. Since then, my times have slowed down a bit, but my commitment is stronger than ever. In fact, I just ran my 15th year in a row, and interestingly, there are less than 100 of us legacy runners left. Wouldn't it be cool if a life insurance agency rewarded me for that health-minded achievement? Well, I found one that will. Health IQ uses an exclusive qualifying process that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, yogis, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. And if you have records like race results or those cool reports we get from the apps logging our efforts, Health IQ takes this into consideration to get you even more savings. 
Visit healthiq.com forward slash urban farm to support our show and see if you qualify. Just like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health conscious lifestyle. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.